Hey, all right, this is Tim Crispin. You're listening to Road to the Skeleton Coast with Brennan Kelly. And this week with Fat Mike of No Effects, who joined us to talk about the bona fide classic, No Effects' The Decline from 1999, a song which, among its many accolades, was the winner of a poll on our Patreon. That's right, patreon.com slash better sandwich. We give you all the chance to vote on what we talk about each week on Road to the Skeleton Coast. Next week, as determined by the Hoagies and Heroes, over on our Patreon, we're going to talk about Bad Religion Suffer. And right now, we've got a brand new poll up there. And we encourage you all to sign up and cast a vote for one of these four options. Fugazi's 13 Songs, Goo Goo Dolls, Superstar Car Wash, Ghostbusters, and Reviver, The Beauty Between. We've also got a nice collection of calls with other folks available on that Patreon. People like Dan Adriano, Brian Fallon, Tom May, plenty more at patreon.com slash better sandwich. All right, on with the show. Okay, cool. Um, so we're talking. We're talking to the um, illustrious Fat Mike, who doesn't do a lot of interviews. Thank you for being here. Um, super. I'm, I've decided I've changed my mind. Oh, you don't want to be here anymore? No, no. There, this is. Actually I'm not even something. there. I'm here. I'm here in sunny California, <laughs> where you have to take off your hoodie to go outside because it's it's warm. You you. I, I just went out to take out the garbage and I almost slipped on ice and broke my neck in a full like fulfillment of the 2020 prophecy. Um, so, so yeah, we're definitely not in the same place. But I also told Tim that maybe you would change your mind and just stop uh, uh, <laughs> talking to us at any moment. Um, but I, I'm glad you won't because we're, we are talking about um, a record that is really dear to my heart. And I'm curious um, – one of the first conversations we ever had where I felt like uh, you and me were like becoming buds, you said to me, and really coming out of almost anybody else's mouth, I'd be like, what the fuck? But coming out of you, like, it, it was just, I was, I loved it so much. You're like, what's your favorite No Effects record? <laughs> and uh, really? And I said, no way. Yeah. Yes. And I said, it's so long, thanks for the shoes. I hope you appreciate that. And you said, you're right. That is the best no effects record. This was, and, um, and that was like the, one of these, you know, yeah, yeah. Where like all of a sudden it was like, Oh, you get it. And I'm like, whoof. Yes. <laughs> like I, it was like the, the, in, uh, uh, um, the last crusade when Indiana Jones has to step onto the, the bridge that you can't see at all. That was how I felt saying that to you. But, I never got that far in that series. Oh, uh, well, um, you're really missing out on a great bridge scene, and I hope I didn't spoil anything for you. But but, uh, but the thing is... I did um, see the first movie when I was a kid, when I was about 13. Mm-hmm. My friend's dad had a studio, uh, you know, a theater in his house, because I grew up, you know, in L.A. And he goes, yeah, my dad's showing some movie, Ra- Raiders of the Lost Ark. And I go, it sounds terrible. And he's like... I hear it's pretty good. You want to come over and, you know, mind blown. Yeah, no, it's great. I saw, I saw, uh, Raiders Lost Ark in the theater with my grandmother and halfway through, she grabs me and goes, Nazis. (laughs) 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 Which sticks with me. But, um, but anyway, like, so you're coming off this fucking so long. Thanks for the shoes record. It's a record that, you know, is like, a fucking awesome record. I don't know. I don't know. Was that was that heralded as the best no effects record at the time? I mean, I think Pug no, and Drublet cast. No, Pug and always is. But when you when you ask people nowadays on social media, other records come up, which I agree with. I think Wolves is up there. Wolves yeah, it's good. And self entitled too. Yeah, uh, I, I agree. Title I think is our most solid record. You know, I like every song. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know that. You guys don't write a bad song, so it's like there's. Well, thanks. it's it's like the fucking, you know, 
the worst minor threat song is the best youth of today song. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, but and that's um, giving a lot of credit to to Ray <laughs> Purcell. Dude, do you know? Um, fucking, we were in France and we met up with uh, the Saint Catharines and Hugo, um, mutual friend of ours who mm. runs uh, that festival, uh, Puza Fest. Oh, yeah, yeah. He. Um, he was telling me that they played with Youth of Today the day before. No, not Youth of Today. Shelter, the day before, and that they were all just like playing instrumental for a while, and then this woman walks up to the mic and she goes, "And here he is. You've been waiting for it. The king of the scene, right today." Uh, <laughs> he walked out. Not Purcell. I would say Purcell. I, I think she said Ray today, um, but yeah, King of the Scene. Yeah, King of the Scene. So King of the Hare Krishna scene. Okay, I'll, I'll tell this real quick. But in 1986, I was going to the farm, and they were playing the old punk club in in San Francisco, and yeah. I, I had a 40 ouncer, and there was a van, and I knocked on the van, and they were all in it, and I said, "Can I come in? I don't want to get busted." And they let me in their van, and there was you know, 1986 Youth of Today with, with uh, Craig Satari from sick of it all and i just got drunk in there and they were just like shocked but <laughs> so hold on if I, if I could like unpack this for just a second you're telling me that you knocked on like one of the most prominent straight edge band vans of the era and we're like can i get drunk in here and they were like sure and they i don't know if they said sure but i got in Unbeknownst to them, we're harboring somebody that would go on to be like, <laughs> extraordinarily famous. I mean, that story is even better for them to tell than you. <laughs> well, I, but at the time, I was like, hey, you did today. I got one of your seven inches. Yeah. That's <laughs> fucking awesome. But it does highlight sort of that, uh, you know, back in the day, straight edge was not like a, a, a thing that was like really militarized. You know, that was like a, that was some crazy vegan Hey, seven seconds. We're selling speed in '85 in the bathroom at, at this VHW show we were at. We're like, Are "You guys selling? Yeah, yeah." Well, don't tell Kevin. <laughs> Holy shit! But so, what? So straight edge bands. There weren't straight edge bands. There was one or two guys in bands that were straight edge, and the other guys mm-hmm. just kept their shit, right. you know, on the DL. Yeah, yeah. Right. Yeah. But I mean, like, no effect started like- as a straight edge band, except for me. Eric and Eric had X's on their hands, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah, I've, I've read I've read the book. It sounds very straight edge. <laughs> um, That's why we're talking about this today because this is not history of no effects. It's about a song. Yeah, and so just I I mean, like I have like a lot of questions that I've like wanted to ask you about this for a while, and some of them I have asked you, but like, first of all, was it like? After so long, thanks for the shoes. Were you like, eh, how am I going to top this shit? I've got to do something fucking wild. Or were you just like moving on to the next thing and you were like, eh, I've kind of like done a lot of albums and I want to just like kind of branch out and do something. Well, what I always try to do, Brandon, is uh, always something I haven't done before. Something new. Right. Uh, you know, when it comes, whether it's like on fat records, short music for short people or, mm-hmm. you know, the, the 398 comp, just something that no one's done. And I tried to do that with all the records. So like Heavy Petting Zoo was totally different than Punk and, Punk and Drulic. And then So Long was like, oh yeah. Uh, and I would just, I wouldn't spend more than an hour writing a song and just every day I'd try to kick out a song. So it was a really fast album and, and you know, 40 second songs and it was just energy. And right. what happened is that, you know, I spent like, I don't know, a year writing that and everything that didn't make that album, I turned into, you know, the long song, The Decline. So that was that was one of my We questions. haven't mentioned that yet. This this po- podcast is about The Decline. Yes, this podcast is about The Decline. Um, Tim's going to talk about that in the intro that he's going to fade in after we're done talking or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but yes, it is, this is about The Decline. This is one of our, this was won our poll on, uh, on our Patreon page where the people that pay money for this shit, uh, which they are smart to do. Thank you. Uh, uh, um, vote on what we talk about. And they voted for the decline this week. And uh, so, so it was, was it, 
conceptualized as a song or was it like five songs that like no it was it i was writing one song it took me six months yeah to put together and and lyrically i knew exactly what i wanted to say and it was at a it was a weird time it was clinton was in office uh it was what i consider maybe why i do consider the 90s to be the best decade of human experience you know everything was because of bill clinton no no <laughs> because of George Clinton, because oh, yeah. uh, there wasn't any major crises. I mean, it went downhill fast with, with Bush. Yeah, and the world turned into a different place. You know, nine eleven and all that shit. And now it's just a fucking total shit show. I, you gotta like remind me. I, I forgot what nine eleven is. People, people uh, had a high standard of living. Uh, I had to find something to sing about that was terrible. And right. And and I was starting to get to become an activist in the prison reform system. I mean, in the prison system and how it was just so fucked up. And that's, you know, I was reading a lot of articles on that. And that was the the subject that started it all for me. Really? Was how fucked it is that, uh, you know, you get caught with, with pot in Michigan and you could do 10 years. You know, the guy from uh, the Stooges, uh, he did two years for two joints. And and is like was this like based on like the because I mean it is really fucked up. It's like the private prison system where they like fucking lobby the government and they like yeah they put people in jail, mostly black people, for longer sentences so they can make more money. And, and I was they, trying to draw attention to it, but then and I wanted to beat Cradle to the Grave. I wanted to beat uh, you know, the subhumans. Yeah, well, <laughs> you you beat subhumans. You have not beat Crass. I believe Crass still has the longest punk song. Um, bracket bracket actually does they have a uh a 70 minute song <laughs> well i will be going right out and listening to that immediately <laughs> following this podcast <laughs> but um they told me so, they, they couldn't get through it <laughs> <laughs> but like yeah and cradle to the grave you know it's funny you say that because like i bought that tape um when i was you know a kid and I was already like a NoFX fan, for example. And I bought that and I was like, wow, this isn't the subhumans I know. And it was also very long and drawn out and like really, really British. And I didn't love it. Right. Yeah. Cradle to the Grave. I was not a huge fan of. But like when I heard the decline, it was like a revelation to me. Like it was a real clarion call. And I mean, I think it's like some of the finest work. I mean, here's the thing, I, man, I have so many questions, but like, it's a very long song. It's about the decline of Western civilization, obviously. I mean, that reference cannot be accidental. I mean, I think even if you consciously were avoiding it, it's still obviously yeah. it's, <laughs> it's there. But I think about it as a long song signifying a long decline your prediction for the decline was mild the actual decline was very fast and uh look like shit like so like looking back, gone down a lot worse yeah yeah are you like are you like fuck i wrote that that song i wish it was that that happened <laughs> instead no I, I didn't look at it that way it's just uh america's just it, it's it's so undereducated that there's no way to go. You know, yep. what I said in, in uh, the idiots are taking over, there's no point in democracy in a, in a mental institution or you can't have right. it. Right. I mean, yeah, it is. Once facts go out the window and people are like, well, you know, uh, those aren't my facts. It's like, um, <laughs> I guess we have nothing yeah, to discuss. I did not think the decency would go out the window. I did not predict that at all, which is, no, I'm, it's it's just horrifying because I you know uh, it, when I was doing uh, Rocky against Bush, uh, I could convince a, a Bush supporter. It took me about forty five minutes to turn them into uh, a Democrat because of all the shitty things Bush did. Just with facts and being kind, can't do that with Trump supporters. No, you 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 sure can't. I mean, just because it mean, doesn't matter what he does, it doesn't matter anything. It, it's just. He's our guy. He literally, he literally said, Mike, and I know you know this, and I know it's like right on the tip of your tongue too. 
He literally said he could shoot someone on Fifth Avenue and it wouldn't cost him any votes. Yeah. You know, like that is, it's wild. And yeah. it's kind of true because there's nobody that would vote for him that would give a fuck. And there's nobody that isn't voting for him that doesn't already feel like he's a murderer. Yeah. And, and just how <laughs> everyone is so indecent to each other. It's just, it's so terrible that, you know, I, I, I'll tell you about the thing I was trying to do, which I didn't do because I was going to wait for the election to be over. But being kind is, is just, it's the only key right now. Yeah, for sure. What, oh, so you're not going to tell me about what you're going to do. No, right now. I also have a Trump statue in my backyard, you know. <laughs> oh, I've seen it. I've been to your house. I've been to your house t- once with Jason, once with Jen and Neil, and I've never been there when you've been there. Hmm, but it's, it's it's very cool. I like your clown car. It looks really awesome. Yeah. I've, I'm selling oh. this place. Oh, cool. Two well, weeks. Then never mind. Hate it. I think it sucks. <laughs> um, so, yes. So you're throwing this whole thing together. One thing that I notice about it is it does have, like, I think, without being, like, too, like, parsimonious about the whole thing, I feel like it's a five-act play, right? And what separates those sort of acts is often just this crazy fucking bass playing man uh it's like it's like (laughs) and and it's like well i got i'm not a show-off bass player you know i just like to put in something real cool once in a while you're not a show-off bass player at all in fact i was listening to oh my god so I'm going to totally digress here a little bit, but the first time I ever met you, we played the Fireside Bowl with no effects, my old band Slapstick, and our bass drum broke during the first song. And it was like the biggest deal in the world that we got to play with you guys. And Brian Peterson, the second the bass drum broke, he's like, well, you guys are fucked off the stage because I think like what your like management was like, we don't want a local opener. And he's like, these guys sell this place out themselves. And you guys were like, yeah, so we also will do that. Uh, so, so like, we were so bummed. And um, Smelly was, like, so kind in the in the bar, which was turned into a green room, the only time that's ever been privatized. Um, and, and he was like, man, you know, that kind of shit happens to me all the time. You, you really shouldn't let it get you down. Um and I was like, thanks. I'm just a huge fan. And he's like, you want to hear any songs? And I said, yeah, man, I would love to hear the Malachi Crunch. And he goes, Malachi? It's Malachi. What the fuck are you yeah, talking you're, about? You <laughs> but Malachi is how you pronounce uh, the name of the guy from Children of the Corn. Yeah, but, but we were talking about Happy Days. Yeah, well, I... I, I no, the Malachi Brothers. <laughs> I had no idea. But... Yeah. Uh, they were they were demolition derby dudes that were they're smashing on the fawns, dude. Come on, uh, oh, where are you shit. going with it, dude? Why, you are digressing. You're you're. This is a, a huge digression and a disappointment. It, it huge digression and disappointment. You say. <laughs> well, um, well, you, well, I've heard this story before, but uh, yeah, well, fireside bowl. Yeah, no, but um, <laughs> I think. Oh, my point was. When there I first go. heard the Malachi Crunch yeah. with like one headphone busted out and I could hear the bass line, I was like, holy shit, Mike's doing like insane stuff down there. But you mixed it really low and you 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 were always a fucking riffs and guitars guy as a as a producer and stuff like that. And and it was the first time that I was ever like Oh, Mike's a really conscientious bass player and beyond conscientious, he's got a real knowledge, working knowledge of music theory that like seems to be like well, almost I, like jazz, I, I didn't like, like. learn it. I didn't learn theory. I just kind of after writing so many songs you get an idea. I I but hate to break I know it to my you, job. Nobody like the first guy that came up with music theory just wrote a bunch of songs and got an idea. Like, you know what I mean? That's what it is. But it's, I know the job of a bass player, which a lot of bass players don't know. 
I mean, mm-hmm. like I remember that I was giving you shit once. I go, stop playing so hard. Yeah. Brendan. And you know, our job is to make everyone else sound good. Yeah, no, it, it is true. But I guess my point is in the Malachi crunch, that was the first time that I was turned on to the idea that you were a really, really next level bass player. But then the decline kind of comes out and it really muscles in and is like, uh, actually, uh, <laughs> I clearly wrote this song. And, uh, <laughs> you know, well, the coolest you, thing about decline, well, not the coolest, but I did, it, I think I invented a style of playing that one little, that the triplet played backwards, played opposite, played on the upstrokes. Yeah. I don't think anyone's ever done that before. In fact, Bass Player Magazine did an article about it. And they, they, <laughs> they, they sent it to all their subscribers. That was you and Jason Black from Hot Water Music. No, but they, they, they showed how to play it. They go, this is how you play the riff in decline. But they didn't call me, and they told people how to play it with their fingers. Like, you fucking idiots. Like, I did this cool thing with a pick no one's ever done before, and you just explained it to everyone the wrong way, which is kind of good because no one will – uh, rip me off. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, but no one has, no one's done it because if someone did it, they'd go, Oh, you're playing a Fat Mike's riff. Yeah. No, I mean, it, it's just like, there, I mean, there's so much signature shit on this and it's, it's, it's so wild. I mean, like the, okay. So the way this song starts out is just like, it's a fucking blast of a no effect song. And by the end, it's like turned into like almost this like Orwellian Pink Floyd, like mashup, like crazy fucking thing. And I remember when I first met you and we were first talking about stuff and you told me maybe I'm going to get the number wrong. What? 19 unique chords in the outro, something like that. Oh, uh, uh, I think it goes 24, not unique chords, but, there's no pattern for 32. Right. The 32 chords is just no pattern. But I write like that a lot now. But that was the first time I wrote something where, I mean, still, when we're playing Decline, it's yeah. really hard to remember playing 32 chords. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's I mean, a very it's, long measure with no pattern. Yeah. And it's, it really is like, I think, and I'm not like trying to blow smoke up your ass. You know, I'm a, a fan and... Uh, you also know I'm an asshole, so I wouldn't say something nice if I didn't mean it. Uh, fucking, it really is one of the, like, the finest extended stanzas in punk rock, for lack of a less stupid-sounding way to say it. Um, and thank you very much. T- to me, that's the best part of the song. Is right what, before the right before the outro. That's that's uh, it's the nugget, right? Like that's uh, yeah, what we call it. It's like you got to have you got to have your nugget, or else the song's no good. Right. So I needed a big ending. And, and the thing is, I didn't, that's the thing, how I write. And I don't know, everyone writes differently, but it wrote itself. Cause I just, I let the melody dictate, you know, what chords came next. I tried this chord, tried this chord, and I didn't think about it. I just, I just let it, it write itself kind of. Right. And so like, so I, I got to assume that that's like very hard to keep track of. As you've said, it's already hard to keep track of um, now, even still, so when it was new, did you, did you guys record this in one no, go? No, this is, a, this is new information for people. It was recorded in 16 uh, songs. 16 songs? Yeah. I mean, 16 parts to get through it. Right. So it was like sort there of... Were 16, uh, there were 16 tracks, and then we edited them together. Yeah, it was like wallpaper in that regard. Yeah, <laughs> I, I mean... And the when I wrote it, everyone's like, "What? Why?" And I'm like, "Don't worry, we'll never play it live, because no way we're gonna play that live because it was too hard." Yeah. Uh, then when I, you know, years years later, when like it was maybe 12 years later, I go, "I want to play it live." Everyone learn it, and was like, "Fuck!" And our first rehearsal never played it together. We kind of nailed it first time through, which is super weird. Yeah, I mean. It- well, you guys are like a great band, and it does kind of happen like that when you like train at altitude. You know, like I know that when we rehearse to go on tour and we change our set list every day, um, and we have a lot of songs. I mean, we're not no effects, but you know, um, we rehearse like 
the 10 most obscure songs that there are. And we're like, okay, if we can play those, we can play anything. Yeah. Well, that's what I do, but live. Cause we have you know, <laughs> like 120 songs in our song list that we can play. Right. Some of them we haven't played in eight years and I'll put those on a set list at a festival and no, you know, no one knows how to play it well, but it's part <laughs> of the charm is to fuck up at least a few songs. Oh yeah. No, it's great. But like, so like, how knowing that this was like a fucking crazy endeavor with the 16 songs, how do the other dudes feel about this particular song? Like, are well, they- uh, playing it is, is, is really a joy. And when we started playing it, we said, we're going to play this once per city, only once in every city. And it was, it made it real special. And then, uh, you know, but you I, played with us in Chicago, and you played it two nights in a row. <laughs> I think. I don't think we did. Uh, that night uh, that your balls came out of maybe, your panties. Maybe. Oh yeah, that was that was a good one. That was cro- <laughs> early cross dressing, Pat Mike. Uh, but but we still played in one city, like one weekend, whatever it was. And then uh, yeah. we stopped doing it, and you know, then I saw uh, Baz's someone said, check this out. Someone did an orchestra of it. And I'm sure you've seen that, the original uh, orchestration that Baz did in, in Nancy, France with the 50-piece orchestra that he just did on his own. And yeah. uh, it, it blew my mind. It, uh, I started crying because it was like, that was the first time I kind of missed my parents. I wanted my parents. It's like, this is something I'd love to show my parents. Right. It's like, it's, there's nothing, uh, there's nothing like, you don't have to get over anything in order to appreciate the fact that there's like a symphony playing music that I composed. Right. right. It's not, it's not like you, you, you don't have to stand in the back while somebody throws a beer like yeah. right and by your head. Or I met like Baz like, and I go, you, Oh, you wrote a symphony dude. And that's when I realized it is a symphony. You know, it's got one, a couple of things that come in and out and it's all new parts and, it, and, but it all makes sense together. It It, it does. I mean, it's, I mean, it really, it really is a fucking real masterpiece. And like the fucking. Have you seen Red Rocks, by the way? What? Have you seen the Red Rocks? When we did a live. I played that show. Oh, right. Goddamn son of a bitch. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I was, uh, I was so nervous that night. It was unbelievable. And, (laughs) and I had to not get drunk, which was unbelievable too. Uh, so I was just kind of in my own world. And we pulled it off. I can't believe we pulled it off. No, it sounded it sounded terrific. Um, that is one of the best conversations you and I have ever had. Was when I walked down the stairs and I said, "Hi, Mike," and you said, "We've already said hi." <laughs> and I was like, okay, <laughs> <laughs> "I'll just keep walking." <laughs> uh, nice. Mike, I, I I have a question. In not. Uh, oh, is there things- a third person here? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, <laughs> um, What's up, Tim? By by saying that you're that you don't have to play it live, does that make it easier? Or like, when do you make that decision that you're not going to play it live, so you don't have to worry about how am I going to pull this off? It's more how am I going to like accomplish this final product? Is it helpful? Uh, you talking live shows here? No, I'm saying like when you when you tell the guys early on, like don't worry, we won't have to play it live. Does that, right? That it's because it was maybe? too hard to play. Because yeah. uh, you know, especially the bass stuff. I, I that one part, I didn't know if I could play that. It took me forever to fucking play it in the studio. Mm-hmm. And and I play most of the, I play the guitar most of the uh, of the song. You know, Hefe came in and he does that. He does that really well, and he does the leads. But you know, I do I do all our palming, our you know, palm muting. And uh, it was just such a long experience in the studio. And uh, who wants to play that live? You know, live's supposed to be fun. That would be not fun to play. Totally. But I mean, are you like, you're like, you said it's six months to, uh, to finish it after a week and a half. Are you like, okay. Six months to write. Gonna, yeah, yeah, sure. We're just never going to play this live. Like from you know, day one. No, because all our difficult songs from other records, like Dig from Punk and Drublick, we never played that. Oh, this is hard. Let's not do it. Mm. Uh, what else? Sold Out, I believe, is a difficult song. Yeah, but we used to play that. 
because because back then we didn't have that many good songs so we had to learn them all <laughs> <laughs> but yeah sure you write hard songs to play what well, we do that we can barely play uh so why do those songs live yeah no i i, I we challenge that. ourselves and do that but decline when we had it and played it live what a joy it was to play because I didn't have to think about it. None of us had to think about what was coming next because we knew it. And, you know, when you get in that perfect sweet spot, when you're, you know, perfect amount of Valium, cocaine and, and fucking vodka, and you're just having so much fun on stage and you pull off the song and all you're thinking about is how fun it is. Totally. And that's where it got to be. And that was what a great feeling. Like it, yeah. and we were playing Warp Tour and Kevin Lyman, there was big, big, like hurricane storm in, in Dallas and it got rained out and he goes, but you know, people want to see no effects, but uh, you have, we have to quit right now. We only played for like seven minutes. He goes, one more song, you guys. And I go one more. Okay. And we pulled the decline <laughs> out of nowhere. And it was fucking. <laughs> That's awesome. Fucking perfect. I mean, it's, it's so terrific. I mean, this was the first, I mean, maybe I'm wrong. First Melvin yell. Uh, on the, on the decline? Oh, I think the first actual, just like, no, no, he, he maybe yelled before, but this was the first time I was like, Mel, just yell. This note, just yell. Right. And they came in, and uh, yeah, that's when the Mel yell really became something. Yeah, totally. And like, I mean, I think that this is where, you know, we toured with you guys not too long after this, and I remember we, we played a... Um, Mm, it's uh, Times Square, New York. I, 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 I'm, I'm struggling to think of this obscure place. Uh, <laughs> and uh, yes, it was Times Irving, Squ- Irving Plaza. No, it was uh, it was called BB King's. I'm just making fun of myself that I couldn't think of Times Square in my center of the Surgeon got thrown out. Surgeon <laughs> got beat up by bouncers and thrown out that night. Anyway. Um, but but uh, like but. You were like, yo, who's out here that's over 35 or something like that? And there was like just like all these hands raised. But it was not all the hands. It was like about half the hands, right? Mm -hmm. And then you were like, yeah, Dropkick Murphys are playing tonight. And I bet the crowd is bigger, but I bet they're not having as much fun. And it was like (laughs) – and it was really the – like – it was the the decline ushered you guys into, I think, a position of like elder statesmanship that was like you can't really fuck with them. You don't have to love the band, but like they are undeniable for what they do. And then like and you know, and then the fans stuck and the new fans came and it was like I came along and started like fucking following you around like a puppy dog after like right after this. And it, and it was just like, damn man, that that EP is really like, it's really special. And it's like, what do you think? Pump up the volume. Give me me a review. Clams Have Feelings too, which is a fucking ridiculous song to have on side B. Oh, Clams Have Feelings too is awesome. Uh, (laughs) There's, there is a line in there that's so funny because it's a. Uh, I think it might no clam eyes to cry clam tears. Uh, no, it's wait, what, what's the last line of the chorus? No, they don't. They don't have central nervousness. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I love that shit. I, I mean, thought that was the funniest song I ever wrote. Really. At, oh, at the time. It, it it makes me like it's cry ridiculous. laugh. That it, it's like the creeping out Sarah song when when it gets to the. That's the problem with <laughs> like whatever the drug is, and I'm like, dude. You know, you know what's a better song is "Creeping Out Tegan," which is on the LP. Mm. What did I say? "Creeping Out Sarah." Yeah. Oh. Well, no, I I have two. I have "Creeping Out Tegan," which is on the LP. You know, we have oh. a lot of different songs on the LP that with different lyrics and different melodies and shit. Uh, no, every every record does that. I know, I know that. Um, but I. Okay, so I'm going to say something interesting on the decline. Go ahead. Because I'm thinking of stuff that no one knows. Go. Uh, what was really fun about it is I'd finished it. And it was coming out, and it was at the pressing plant. And I listened to it, 
and I decided it wasn't good enough. And I went to, to Fat Records that day, and our manager, his name was Jeff at the time. I'm like, hey, dude, uh, I'm What's Ken's name now? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's Lamp. No, but uh, uh, he moved to Belize and had sex with uh, someone I don't want to talk about. But <laughs> he's our label manager, and I said, yeah, uh, pull it. I go, is it being pressed yet? He's like, it's being pressed tomorrow. I go, pull it. It's not done. And he started yelling at me. You think you'd fucking come in here and just ruin everything? We're, we've been planning this for months and blah, blah, blah. Yelling at me. And I was like, right. I don't have this for a second, dude. I go, I've never yelled at anyone here. Can you not yell at your boss? And this is, you know, I worked on this for a long fucking time, probably a year in total, and it's not done. And I own the label, so I'd appreciate it if you don't yell at me. <laughs> and everyone, everyone thought I was going to yell at him. But no, I'm, I made, I wanted him to feel stupid anyway. So now that was fun. I brought it back in the studio and I changed like, uh, three different parts near the beginning because I didn't think the melodies were strong enough. And the ending, that's when I put all the bells and whistles on the ending. Cause the ending was just guitar uh, for, for that long ending. And then I put in the marching and the bells and the, yeah. the, the horns. And that's what really makes the ending. I think. Oh yeah, no, it does. It does swell. I mean, it becomes very um, cinematic at the end, right? Like, um, it, it it is it is a piece that like ends with like you can see the stormtroopers in the streets, you can see the church bells ringing like some sort of like dire warning to the fucking I don't know the cheesemongers and the pregnant lasses to get the fuck inside <laughs> you know mongers, yeah <laughs> you think cheese is going to be in, in the dystopian society you think there's still cheese uh yeah yeah no dude, old dairy for, products for sure i mean like cheese is not going anywhere because if anything you just go pick up a gallon of milk that was like left in the last grocery store and it's cheese I don't know how to make cheese i was just telling someone i want to watch a show on how to make cheese because i don't get it I don't get how there's so many different kinds. And I also want to know how TV works. Yeah. Like how tube TV works or like yeah, how, like, like how the fuck do they do that with tubes? <laughs> you know, I don't want to know, but I'm just saying those are two things I'd be interested in knowing. Well, I, you know what, society gets destroyed and there's nothing left and there's no religion because everything's been dead and 1% of the population is there and they don't have TV. Like what, what are the first things you'd want from old, old society? Cheese Religion, and TV. Man. Religion <laughs> I, I think you the might last picked, thing you'd ever fucking want. I think you might have picked the one thing that's not going anywhere when society is completely destroyed because people are going to be like, oh, I need a God to get me out of this. No, um, no. Che- no, once it, no, God, no, God, if you read the God complex by, uh, by Dawkins, that's what he says is religion was the last thing to come because People, uh, it's silly, and it's when people have spare time, they need God. Oh my God! But that's not true at all. That's like that's completely untrue. Like in back in the the medieval times, back in like the Egyptian times. Of you know the what? Pharaohs, You're right. I take back. I take back what I said. People needed something because their lives were so miserable. Yeah, and and like now we have like bidets and over. porn over. on the internet. You know, it's like if you don't even have to wipe your ass anymore. And you yeah, but watch, but in, like, in developed countries, uh, God is getting littler and littler because we don't care because it's easy. Yeah, now that mm-hmm. is that is true. So when the world is destroyed, religion will be left. Cheese, we'll have to see about. But did you no, no, people, no, people won't go to religion. They're going to go to there's a movie called, uh, book called Lucifer's Hammer, where you know a comet hits, and and what happens is. No one gives a fuck about religion. They want to get with the fucking. You want to be surrounded by men who know how to fight and kill, and and you need a doctor here and there, and uh, no one's pr- praying to God. They're looking for survivalists. Oh man, I'm not praying to God, but I feel like survivalists are also. Praying Who's going to believe in God if, if if most everyone gets destroyed? Uh, people that are terrified, but. The the main point is, did you know that ricotta is a unique cheese because it's the only one made with the whey instead of the curds? So while every other kind of cheese is made with the curds, ricotta is made with the whey. Well, so uh, Little Miss Muffet probably knew something about that. Yeah, I don't know. She, yeah, she, she she knew about the curds and the whey's. Yes, exactly. Um, I didn't know that. 
Yeah, I, th- I think I think that's pretty interesting. That's um, I think it's me being Italian for you. Hey, <laughs> hey, hey, hey. Okay, well, Mike, I, we've we've kind of talked about this quite a bit, and uh, I definitely don't want to waste too much of your time. And I appreciate it. it is New Year's Eve, and everything. Do you? Um, yeah, I have are you happy with today? Are you happy with the results of the election, Mike? Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's, it's a relief. I didn't want to see uh, my daughter crying again after you know. Uh, that was that was the most horrible thing. That that was my political move. I I did I made a before the election, I filmed an Instagram post which I didn't put out, but I was saying please, you guys, please, if you have kids, you know how it feels to have your kids crying over something, and for all our daughters who are going to feel. So horrible, you know. Yeah, uh, if you're a Trump supporter and Trump wins again, uh, half this country is going to be yeah victimized. They're going to be destroyed. Where if Biden wins, are your daughters really going to cry? No, they might say, "Oh, that sucks," but they're not going to cry hysterically because they're scared. And that, and I was trying to make a plea, like, please, I beg you, but uh, I didn't because it was kind of weird. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it it, it, it does, it get, does weird. get weird. Um, we should um, address one last thing before we go. And I, well, I think we have to mention the, the Red Rocks thing just, you know. Oh, yeah. Let's talk about the Red Rocks thing. I just I just thought you were maybe score, glossing over it. but No, no. Me and Baz spent, you know, uh, probably a month writing, you know, every note to all to every instrument. It wasn't like we hired uh, some musicians to play parts. Like every part was written exact and it's all no, scored. And it, I mean, it uh, sounded spectacular. Yeah. But, but like each part is, is its own melody and written, not like most uh, symphonies are written. You know, I like to give each instrument a part that's right. good by itself. You don't hear them all because there's so, there's so much as, you know, more of a cacophony, but I think it, it came out pretty cool. Uh, it was, it was a wild show. I mean, so we played a lot, like, before you, and um, Red Rocks is a weird place, and it was like, and I say this with no disrespect, but it's like, the crowd goes up instead of, like, down, and right in front of the stage is, like, sort of the... People in wheelchairs. Yeah, weird. The people in wheelchairs, mm-hmm. and that's, like, who you're playing to, and... Sort of, by definition, they don't really move around that much. Uh, no, well, <laughs> you know, they, they, they you um, know, and, we're rocking. And, they're, they're rolling. No, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and like, and again, I can't sit, stress this enough. That's exactly where they should be, and I want to play for everybody, but it is unusual to play in like a natural stadium outside it's no good it's not punk it's not good it was uncomfortable but i think decline worked perfect there oh decline was great there i but here's the funny thing mike i didn't play decline there uh i played lawrence armstrong's and it wasn't the best (laughs) Uh, and did you notice how much those people were fucking assholes uh, like that worked there. It was like as though, as though people aren't already like up their own ass fart sniffers in Colorado. Being I, like, I didn't notice, but I don't. I don't like the whole vibe there. It was. Oh. It was. Uh, it's just because uh, they really wanted the show there. They gave us enough money to pay all the bands, and it, we, and we wanted to re- record decline there. So we just yeah. Did the show there. No, and it was it was beautiful. I and apologize. Really, I, I apologize, bro. Oh my god, I'm so thankful that you had us on the show, and it's worth putting up with some asshole that's like, you can't stand here, and I'm like, I can't stand here. And this is what I got too. Look at this. Give me a second. I only ever got two awards because you know who wants an award. But I'll take your awards. Look, one, here's here's the award you that gave me. Cool. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah, I got three of those, but then I got my little Red Rocks award. <laughs> What's that? Like, what? what is the Red Rocks award for? Uh, the first award, <laughs> for those of you who can't see this, which is everybody, is uh, AVN award, which is cool. 
But what's the Red Rocks award? Uh, it's just, you know, for, uh, I, th- I thought it was supposed to be for selling out, but we didn't sell out. But I don't know. They gave us an award. That's cool. That, that, that's like, it's, it's they- kind of silly because, you, you know, who gets awards? No one in punk rock gets awards. In fact, you know what we should never do is have an award show. Uh, okay. Never. On that, to- on that same um, topic, let's do an award show. Exactly, but never. <laughs> okay, yeah, perfect. I mean, just think about it. If you won an award for something where there's a bunch of punk rockers, I would be so embarrassed to go up there because suddenly everyone's like, fuck you. Who the fuck do you think you are? Oh, yeah. No, but, for sure. But I do think and- it was cool that, that uh, Tim Armstrong got a Grammy. I felt like he was the first one of us to get a legitimate Grammy. Was that for the Pink album? No, no, which he wrote some good songs on that, but it was he produced a uh, Jimmy Cliff album. Oh, oh, well, yeah. I mean, that's... Jimmy Cliff? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's good. It's a good album. And, and Tim's great at that shit. But... Okay. And you know what? He kicked fucking Linda Perry's ass on that Pink album, by the way. Oh, yeah. No, he did a, he did a really, really good job. I'm not trying to take sides between my two girlfriends, Linda Perry and Pink, or, or uh, and Tim Armstrong, but... Uh, he definitely did a great job, uh, <laughs> for sure. Um, how but much no do you word. know about Jimmy Cliff? What I know about him? Yeah. Uh, like, have you been a fan forever? Well, he's one of the few uh, reggae artists I really like. You've seen the movie The Harder They Come. Yeah, yeah. And, and the songs on that are really good. Mm-hmm. He went outside the box a little bit with, with better melodies, I think, than most reggae bands. I totally agree. But am I correct? Because this has always been my assessment, and it seems like it's just impossible that it's true, but it really looks true. In that scene where he's in the library and he's recording the vocals to The Harder They Come, which is going to become a big hit, which is going to be the name of the movie, even... That's him actually recording the actual vocals to that song the first time. Like, so it's like, well, you know, reggae singers could actually sing. Right. But like, there would not be a movie if that song hadn't become a hit. And it's like in the movie is like, well, this is going to become a huge hit. You know, it was good. Just like uh, uh, Bob Marley did. uh, What's the song he did on acoustic guitar? Redemption song. You know, that yeah. was like a one taker. You know, sometimes you do that. I've done that before. And that's crazy for me. Well, I'm not talking about one take. I'm talking about writing an entire film based around the idea that this song is going to become huge. And then you're like, oh, you, uh, you know, when, when he knew it was a great song. Look, I, look, guys, I'm not I'm using more than two chords. Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't know, man. That is still that's some bonkers ass shit. Um, I did that on that song. What's that? The clown did, which I'm really proud of. Just saying that in the kitchen at 3 a.m. in the morning when I was wasted. You cut out for a second there, Mike. What was what was the song? Bathtub. The Koki the clown did. It's the acapella opener that Babs is on my piano. We were wasted three in the morning, and they just fucking did it. It's awesome. That uh, that album cover is really one of the finest. You want a poster? I have I have a couple. Yeah, man, for sure. Um, have your people talk to my people. I would, I would love one. It's, it's such a, it's such a cool. You want me to talk to Abby? Who, who's your people? Uh, Toby. (laughs) (laughs) Um. So yeah, I mean, like, what? What else? I guess, I guess the last question I, I have. Uh-huh. about the decline and like please feel free to tell me anything you'd like to about it what do you think about it today do you consider it to be like a high water mark for your band or and for you as a songwriter or is it just like such an outlier thing that like maybe it's not even comparable to something like fucking eat the meek or something like I, that i think it's i think it's our best uh song is weird to say it when it came out, it was our first record that got great reviews. I know that. You know, nothing else got good reviews. Uh, 
like, like Warren Airism got a zero in Vice. You know, people don't want to like our band. Uh, but Decline got good reviews from every, everywhere. It's the first time I'd gotten good reviews. Besides, you know, half the reviews would be okay, but never like all good. So I think that says something. And uh, it's probably our best release. So it can't be our best record because it's one song. But, uh, you know, I, I think it's really good. Uh, I'm very proud of it. When I saw a full orchestra do it, an 80-piece orchestra in Belgium, uh, you know, the whole band, was, we were all crying watching it. That was so, before we ever did that. Uh, really cool, really cool experience to hear a song done by an orchestra yeah, that all volunteered. It's pretty, pretty amazing. It's really incredible, particularly when your song's fucking 23 minutes long or whatever. And Seven, they really have to slog through that shit. Uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, and never, um, and never, it never gets tiring playing live. It, it doesn't feel like a, a long song. It's just like doing, you know, seven hard songs in a row, but it's fun. People, people like it. So it's fun. People feel like they saw something special. When I saw Cradle of the Grave by the Sopimans for the first time, it was like 84. Fucking blew my mind. Yeah, no. And I mean, I love it. And every time I've seen you guys play it and I love when you bring people out for it. We've had had so many cool people. four, four, Four chords and, you know, I've I've seen you like coach people through it backstage and just be like, "This is it," and then they go out there and they're like, "Holy fucking shit, I'm playing the decline," and it's it's fucking awesome, you know? Yeah, it's it's it's, it's super fun. I, I've made friends with that. Like that's how I met Frank Turner. Oh, the <laughs> guy goes, "Yeah, hey, you should have this guy play guitar." His name's Frank Turner. I'm like, "Cool, let's do it." He didn't tell me like he played in front of 6,000 people in the other tent. (laughs) Festival. Oh, Frank. Well, as, as they say, so I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to give a plug to something. I have a new record coming out. Oh yeah. FX does. Uh, And have you ever, can you imagine having a new album in the can for about a year? It's so weird. Yeah. Yeah. It seems it would drive me crazy. Yeah, it, it's driving me crazy, and it's not coming out till the end of February. But it's you know, single album by No Effects. Dark that, album. It would be like getting a hand job through your pants for three hours. It's okay. <laughs> if the pants are latex, which I have many of those. It's not so bad. Yeah. Well, if you're so, wearing if you're wearing burlap, you know, or denim, yeah, bummer. Burlap. Yeah, that's one of my my main go to pants <laughs> styles is burlap. Uh, <laughs> it's where the, the train hoppers wear. What so so um when is this record coming out? I'm not sure the date, but the end of February. End and of February. It's a it's a full length LP. It's a single album, that's right. Um and the you you probably aren't announcing the title yet. No, it's called single album. Oh, single album, okay. Um, you know why? Because it's one album. That's right. But there's more to it than that. Uh, I, I went for my first double album, my first uh, studio double album. And so I recorded 23 songs. And there's uh, and I wasn't sure about it. So I played it for some people. And one person in particular said, Mike, you have some amazing songs in there, but I wouldn't release it as a double album. That was that was uh, Shadows from Avenged Sevenfold, who's oh, a yeah. big friend of mine and a big fan. So I listen, listened to him because he told me straight up. And I go, you're right. So instead of putting out a double album, I decided to put out a single album. <laughs> That's terrific. And <laughs> more, more terrific than that is the idea that you were like, but do you know why it's called single album? As though I could have possibly ascertained that from the fucking, like, oh, is it because, let me guess, did M Shadows tell you to take off about half the songs? <laughs> but but well, uh, yeah, Other people I played it for, I, I, like, I had like four people in my studio, good friends of mine. I said, can you kind of rate these songs? Like, what do you think of the good ones? And they were stoked to do it. And everyone kind of didn't like the songs on the same songs so if there's songs that aren't as good why put them on your album oh no no for sure i mean it's the hardest thing to do as an artist is to edit and the 
best thing to do as a maker of a product is to edit, you know, like, yeah, well, I usually have 18 songs for an album and take off five or six. And this time I took out, uh, 13. Yeah. Well, I think so single album out on fat records, I assume. Out on fat records, uh, in February for a year. it was coming out. And then we decided to do the Frank Turner split instead. Cause we, we thought we really thought a fun record is, would be cool right now. Yeah, no. And it is a so fun depressing. record. And it's a great record. And that's one that everybody should check out too. If you haven't heard that it's the, um, uh, Norfax and Frank Turner covering each other's songs. And it's uh, really, really cool. And it's a, like, if you remember the Rancid one, imagine if Rancid had tried. Uh, that's, <laughs> <laughs> that's what it sounds like. I think Rancid killed it on a few songs. Uh, and I think Frank Turner, I think Falling in Love is the best song on the album. Yeah, I mean, it is good. But like I, I said to you, um, via text recently i'm a sucker for the original i mean i'm a i'm a huge fan of the of the classic it's got i mean talk about something that's like operatic i mean it's just like it it just feels like something that my first love song you know i i I never knew how to write a love song but tragedy is how you get a love song yeah it could be i mean that could be treated with um strings and be very very beautiful um and uh, I don't know. I, I'm not trying to sit here and talk shit about Rancid, but <laughs> you guys came. It's not a good. With... It's not a good career move, Brendan. <laughs> what to talk, talk about your Rancid? Name. Yeah. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, well. See, I, mean, I was saying all this nice stuff about Tim, and and come on, you know, Outcome of the Wolves is one of the greatest records of all time. I think it might be the best punk album. I think I now that I agree. Take two songs London off Pol- it. I think it's the best punk album. Yeah, I, I I agree. Um little editing. But anyway, my album is is like falling in love, but a whole album of just oh, cool. bum outs. Great. And, uh and and I was I, I was actually really depressed. I never I've never been depressed before. It was way before COVID. Oh. But uh it's kinda I, neat writing music when you're depressed. It's fucked <laughs> up. So to hear that, you know, um <clears throat> Blake Schwarzenbach said in, in an interview that I read a long time ago, and he said a lot of shit in interviews that I think is like totally asinine. So take this for what it is. But he's always said, right when you're coming out of depression is when you can write the best songs about being depressed. When you're happy again, um, but I, I, it's well, I still have that fresh. And- yeah, I, I, you know, I got sober. Uh, I don't know. I'm not counting days, but you know, a few months ago, and. uh I've like 35 new songs, which is uh, super fun. I just keep writing every day. Yeah, no, that's, and, that's great. No matter, no, I'm, I'm not, I don't have to like grasp for lyrics. They're just, I've neat things to sing about and they're not so fucking depressing. Well, that's fucking good to hear, man. Um, and I, I look forward to it. Um, I always like the no effects records, man. Um, I, you guys are like always in, You've never put out a bad record, man. Uh, well, I mean, like maybe early, that early. fucking first one was. Jesus. It's so uh, what if we're on Mystic was a little rough to listen to, but those were I seven still, inches. It was never supposed to be an album. I still find it to be charming, and it's like I still think that like I listen to liberal animation, and I'm like, if these exact guys went back and re-recorded this album, it would be fucking awesome. Like the songwriting is there. Um, it's, I'm happy with that. It was it was it was uh, a three day re- recording and mix with uh, Brett Gurley. Oh, it's it's just sloppy as shit, and I love it. Bucks. I, that, that, hey, that's that's what I'm all about. You know, I love that. I love that shit, man. It's an okay record. Little little tea. Yeah, I have some green tea here. Nice, nice. Keep you alive for a long time, um, which is good because we need a lot more of. We need an next a lot more, more. We need more Jews and punk rock. Is what we need. Decline too, I think. Um, I don't think that's gonna happen. The first song on our new album, though, is de- very decline esque in a, a weird way. Uh, like, how do you mean? It's uh, very long, and <laughs> the, uh, it I ends with marching in barrels. With a six minute 
uh, slow, depressing song that has no pattern at all. Uh, mm. It's, I, and I think it might be one of my favorite songs I've wrote. It's really funny to me because it's called the Big Drag. I can't wait! I can't wait to hear it. It it it, it, it flies in stark contrast to. Advice I've heard you give young fat record That's right. bands. That's right. Over but the after, year. on your fifteenth album, you can't start off with you know a forty second fast song. <laughs> yeah, I, well, I also sequenced the uh, the uh, dead dead to me record. I put that reggae song first. They were like, mm-hmm. "What are you doing?" I'm like, "This is the vibe you want." You know, get it. Yeah, well, that's that's such a great song. And, and it's, a, it's a great opener, right? And that's why I think this is a good opener because everyone expects our third song is what everyone expects. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They get a lot of people mad at me, that song. But uh, yeah, I'll talk to you about this song one day because it's I've done a lot of things that I've never done before. <laughs> well, that's really saying something. Uh- <laughs> every, every chord change has a different rhythm than the one before. Wow. And every time you go back to that chord, you get the rhythm that it was played in originally. Um, I would love to be smart enough to be able to imagine that. <laughs> totally not. <laughs> and no, um, and no, chord, no two chords are the same length. No two measures are the same length. I mean, it sounds just like fucking... Like, it wasn't math rock, though. I just, I just wrote it. Is Melvin just divorcing you at this point? He's just like, well, I what? Smiley said, Smiley said I'll, I'll never, ever play this live. <laughs> Heard those words before. Uh, mm-hmm. No, but I, I wrote it as it just wasted one night, and I just wrote the whole thing, and I just I kept holding chords until I felt that they needed to change, which uh, is exciting for me to record something like that. No, no, I mean, th- yeah, and... And that is, I, you know, uh, you never know it from my dumb band, but like I do the same thing where there's no repetition throughout the entire song. It's just right. It's what's it's it's, it's, it's all it's all four four chords. I mean, like I'm not trying to fucking be impressive or anything, but well, yeah, just like serve the, serve the melody, you know. Yeah. What? Well, well, this song is three chords. Oh well, there you go. All right, Michael, this is the end. The I thought that was okay. Are, uh, no, it, it was terrific. I am so thankful that you did this, and thank you so much for um, talking. You know what this f- was? This is a conversation we'd have one night. You know, mm-hmm. this is just us talking. And yes, and, and if Tim was there, he'd get in as much airtime as he did today. Yes, oh. <laughs> that's goddamn right. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I, I I wanted to do this podcast because uh, it is something I haven't talked about, and I like talking to you, buddy. Yeah, man, I like talking to you too, and I hope we can do it again in person soon. Um, I miss you. I haven't seen you in too long. You were gonna uh, you were gonna come out and play uh, at my house, but hundred percent. Yeah, today I should be there right now. Yeah, well, we can't. We postponed the whole show. So. Yeah. Well. Well. All right. Well, thanks, anyway. you guys. Thanks so much. Thank you, Mike, for being here. Um, it, what a fucking awesome thing! It's uh, so cool to hear extraordinarily exclusive shit here on the road to the skeleton closed from uh, big celebrities who never give interviews like me. And also fat Mike was here too. And uh, so um, (laughs) thanks everybody. Um, And also Tim, I think you probably say goodbye at some point or something. I don't know. Yeah. We'll see you all next week. (laughs) Always got to have the last word. Goddamn Tim. (laughs) Later guys. All right. Thank you so much. Mike.